we've been going through a series, and uh, we've been talking about the new command that God or that Jesus gave us, and then that there's different aspects of that command. He just said that you know He wants us to love as He loved us, and we're, we've been looking at what does it mean to love like He loved. How does it look like to love the way that Christ loved? There's so many, you know, it's not just saying I love you. There's so much more behind that. And um, we, we talked about that. We talked about how he loves us. And we talked about loving the lost. And then uh, last week, Pastor J.W. talked about loving your neighbor. And all these things are things that he told us that we need to do in order to love as he did. And then, then the next thing that we're talking about today is love your enemy. Um, I, I think that's kind of a, when you hear that, it's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. Um, but we've been, we've been going through these things and we're gonna try to just press on through. I shouldn't be very long this morning. But uh, just kind of give you an, an idea of where we're, where we're at here. In John 15, um, verse 12, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Just as I mentioned a while ago, that's what he gave us as a new command. That's what he told us he needed us to do is to love as he has loved us. Um, we're gonna go also, if you wanna go ahead and turn to, or most people don't turn anymore, if you wanna type to Matthew 5, 43 and 44. It says, you have heard this, is what I say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And I'm gonna stop there for a minute. Now, one thing I find that's important for us to understand is the group of people that Jesus was talking to at this moment. Yes, he's talking to us now, that we're reading this, and, and it's hard enough for us to understand um, to love somebody that hates us. It's hard enough for us to understand that we should pray for those that talk bad about us, that persecute us. But even more so, the culture of the people that Jesus was speaking to had a mindset of hatred for your enemies. We've all seen the movies of, of like Gladiator, and we've all seen in the Roman times the way they tortured and the, the things that they did, the gruesome things that they did to their enemies. Things that even though we might not like them, maybe we would even say we hated our enemies that would not be accepted in today's world. This group of people took hating your enemies to a whole new level. And in studying this, in 1970, they found these Roman tablets that had these ancient Roman prayers of this time. This would have been the people that would have been around the time that Jesus was saying this thing uh, about loving your enemies. And they found 130 of these prayers. Out of the 130, there was only three that did not con consider to be cursings. Three out of 130 was the only ones that was not considered cursings. And I, I printed one off. I wanted to read it to you all real quick. So I evoke you, holy angels and holy names. Tie up, block, strike, overthrow, harm, destroy, and kill my opponent and all their horses tomorrow in the arena of Rome. Let the starting gate not open properly. Let him not complete quickly. Let him not pass let him not make the turn. Let him be bound up, broken up, and let him drag behind in all the races, my gods. So you can see the mindset of the people here of how they consider their enemies. And I would, whoever wrote this, I would definitely did not want to be their enemy. He covered everything. He covered every basis of, I want him to completely have failure and, and to suffer from the moment he enters the arena. He, he wanted them to suffer. So, so you can understand with that kind of thoughts, with that kind of mindset, the shock that the people must have felt when, when Jesus said, I know you've heard hate them. I know that you have heard to, to persecute them, but I'm telling you that you need to love them. And that speaks to, that speaks to, um, the characteristic of Jesus. It speaks to what it truly means to love like Christ. That really shows us the new commandment that he was trying to, to give us at a whole new level of love. So we go on in Matthew, the same scripture here. 
says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sons to rise in evil, good, and sends rain down on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you are greeting only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's telling them that he's telling them how this, the, his love is set apart. He's telling them that, you know, like I said, the, the, the tax collectors loves those that love you, that love Dan. The pagans greet and, and, and is friendly to the people that are the same as them. But I'm telling you that in order to be different, in order to be, you know, to, to have the classification of loving like me, this is the next step. This is the next uh, opportunity that you have to go to is to love like me is by loving your enemies. So in order to do that, there's a couple of things I think that we have to, that we have to conquer, that we have to understand before we can learn how to love our enemies. Because how many can agree, that's a hard thing to do, right? It's a hard thing to, and some of you all might even be thinking right now, I don't really have any enemies. Uh, I mean, in today's world, that might be the case. You might think that what we consider to be an enemy might be a little bit different. But, but we're gonna go through, and we're gonna talk about some, uh, that, some different classifications of enemies that we all can probably relate to. So that's the first, the first uh, point. Know your enemy. Real enemies versus the uh, perceived enemies. We all have one common enemy in this place. It's an it's a enemy of, of your soul. Satan is everybody's enemy. Amen? How many can, you know, listen, I come from a background of Church of God. I could talk about the devil all day. Okay? We, they seem to lots of times to spend more time talking about the devil than we did about God. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that there really is a devil out there. There really is Satan that his job and his purpose uh, that, that he strives for is to destroy us. His, his whole purpose in life is to see us fail, to drag us down, to, to try to completely destroy not only our lives, but the ones that we love and the people around us. Satan is a liar and a thief. Um, we, we see this from the beginning when he declared war on God's works. He thought he was better than God. He thought that he should be the one that should be in charge. He thought he should be God. And ever since then, he's declared war on God's works, which includes who? Us. He's from the day one, and if we see in John 10, 10, it's a very known scripture. It says, My com- oh, no, hold on. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in the full. So he, right there, he describes to you the purpose of the enemy. And, we, and, and, and it talks about his schemes. What does it mean for the devil's schemes? It's, it's the, the seeds that he tries to plant. It's the tricks that he tries to play on us. He tries to plant seeds of doubt, thinking that you're not good enough. He tries to plant seeds of fear that you can't understand that God's word and that you can't understand that God is bigger than anything that you could be scared of, that God is able to bring you out of any situation that, that, that you may find yourself in and that you may find yourself um, fearful of, that there is nothing that is too big and too hard that our God can't handle. He plants these seeds of uncertainty. He plants and fosters division. He fosters the idea of, and of sickness and hate Satan is after you and your family. We see it more and more every single day, and we see it uh, working in the leadership of a church. You know, uh, there's times that uh, me and Pastor JW and we'll, we'll meet for breakfast, or, or me and Aaron will be talking, and we'll, we'll talk about situations, and we can see where people are being attacked by the enemy. We can see where people's families being affected because people are, are believing the lies and the schemes of the enemy. And it's so hard lots of times to sit back and just watch. 
It's so hard to step back when you know the answer and you preach the answer and you teach the answer that, that God is able to go above that. But we see the enemy at, at work. We must prepare ourselves to be against the enemy. Ephesians 6 and 11 says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the power of this darkness world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's telling us that even when we don't fight physical fights in this world, that, that, that there is a darkness out there. There's evil out there that, that is trying to destroy us. That there, I, I know I'm spending a little time on this, but I want you to understand that the enemy is here to, to kill and steal and destroy. But as the scripture said, if we prepare ourselves by putting the armor of God, that there are stains and there's, there's by putting the armor of God in protects us from his schemes. But we have, real, we have real world enemies as well. A key thought I had this morning is we have an enemy not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We don't have enemies necessarily because of my, of, of my name and who I am, but we, we have an enemy because who we belong to. We sing a song here about being a child of God, and we talk about the, the benefits and the things that that, that, that means and the, the great things that come with being a child of God. But lots of times we forget that it also puts a target on our back. People that already have maybe issues that, you know, that problems and, and that don't believe in God, don't, you, you sit back, and I used to ask my dad all the time, why does it seem like people that don't go to church have better jobs, have nicer cars? Why does it seem like people that, that don't believe in God never seem to have problems? Now, I'm not saying they don't. You know, I was a child, and, you know, you don't always see things, and you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. But the, the, the answer to that is, and my, what my dad would explain is, is that the enemy fights those that are trying. The enemy fights those that try to trust in God. And, and when you take that step to say that I'm gonna put my faith in God and I'm going to, to rely on God and I'm going to believe in his word and stand firm on the promises that he's given to me and my family, that's gonna make the devil more mad and it's gonna make the devil uh, wanna come at you even harder. But the great thing is, is by having that armor of God, we don't have to fight our battles. Before we learn how to love our earthly enemies, we must be aware of our spiritual enemy, the enemy. So we, we can see, I, I mentioned Ephesians a while ago. I'm sorry if I keep staring at this. It's, I don't know how he does this. It's kind of down there in, the, in that seat. Got a glare on. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> so, anyways, we, it says that we wrestle against not flesh and blood. I mean, I don't fight physical, but God can use people. Amen. And, and, but in the same situation, so can the enemy. How many can say that that they've had people in their lives that you think maybe was being used by the devil at some point in your life to tempt you to maybe get on your nerves, right? People can be labeled as darkness. People can be that, uh, the principalities. The enemy can use people in order to do that. So what does it look like to have an earthly enemy? Jesus tells us to bless those who curse us. So that's, that's one of the enemies we have. How many people can say that, that someone has... I'm not talking about just cuss words, but I mean, that can go with it. But how many people can say that people have talked down to you, talked bad about you, have, have cursed or said things against you and your family? This is someone that talks about you, that's someone that tries to hurt your image. How many times have we seen people be classified for something? We, we see it uh, in... in the news, and we see it, and I don't want to, I'm not getting political or anything, but we, we see certain situations when by the, the, the speaking of someone's tongue, 
the speaking of someone's um, lies or, or even sometimes, even if it's the truth, but just being able to speak a cursing on somebody identifies them as something, even if it's the truth or not. We see situations of where our people are able to put labels on people just by using their tongue, by being able to, to say things. There's, there's been things said about me that people don't even know me think something about me that's not even true because they take what this person said about me and they believe it as truth. So those are the one that we can say uh, is an enemy of ours, is someone that tries to curse us, but God or Jesus tells us to bless those that try to curse us. Secondly, we can see that Jesus tells us those that hate you. Now, I'm not talking about when I would get mad as a kid and be fighting with my brothers and sisters and scream out, I hate you, or I think I said that maybe once to my mom, never said that again. But I'm not talking about that feeling of when you just, in the moment, saying you hate somebody. What it truly means to hate someone this is people that don't like or love us. People that hate us, want, us, want to harm us. Don't care if, if they, it, it, truly to hate someone, you don't care if there's harm brought to somebody. There's a lot of people I don't like, okay? There's, a, there's people in this world that we don't like, but to see, say that we want to see harm brought upon them is not the same thing. So we can see that, that people that try to hate us, God tells us in turn to love them. Jesus tells us to pray for those that prosecute you. This is someone that tries to harm us. Someone tries to harm us physically, emotionally, spiritually. Now, in my opinion, and this might just be me, this might be one of the most, the hardest person as far as the enemy that I would think to try to forgive. Because to me, someone that tries to persecute you, someone that tries to harm you in any way, whether it be emotionally, they sought out and tried to hurt you. It wasn't like uh, they did some kind of action and then in the process you got hurt. Someone that sought you out to try to hurt you. It's so personal. It's so deliberate that it, that it makes us be able to, it makes us more angry. It makes us, it makes it harder to forgive those people and this type of enemy because we see ourselves being personal with this. But God tells us for those that prosecute us to pray for them. Enemy number four that Jesus talks about, those that are unrighteous. This is people that don't believe or that believe differently than we do. It's people that don't hold the same uh, beliefs of Christianity that we might uh, hold and the, the, the standard of righteousness that we consider to be correct. Whether or not you can relate to all of these or one of these, I'm sure that there's some type of enemy out there. One of these types that we all can say that we have either have or that we have had in the past. And this, it's so important that we know our enemies before I move on, I want you to understand the reason why we know, have to know our enemies is because we have to know who we're gonna love, right? I mean, Jesus tells us to love all. He tells us to love, but he, he, he put out there to love your neighbor. And, and Pastor J.W. went through why we should love each and every one of those people. So I want you to understand who your enemy is. That way you can do the things and love the way he tells you to love and pray for the, the people he tells you to pray for. You must be able to identify them. Second way that we need to understand is we need to understand how to respond to our enemies. Matthew 26. This is the story when Jesus was being portrayed by Judas. We all have heard the story, especially around Easter. And they was praying in the garden and, and, and Jesus had told him that one of them was going to betray him. One of them was gonna turn their back on him and we know about the silver and, and, and Judas and everything like that and they come for Jesus. We can obviously recognize, we can obviously be able to, to see that that would be considered an enemy of Jesus. Somebody that's there to arrest you, someone there to take you to be tortured, crucified, all the, the horrible things that he had to go through was there to take him away. 
So we can definitely identify this man to be an enemy of Jesus. But this is what it says. It says, what that one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword when, when, the, when they came to arrest him. He drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And Jesus replied this. He said, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He, he automatically corrects, uh, it says a companion, but we, we know that it was Peter. One of his disciples drew out his sword in order to defend Jesus. He drew out his sword and cut the ear off of the high priest's servant. And he automatically tells Peter, he automatically corrects him to allow him to know that he responded to the enemy in the wrong way. That, that the, who draws the sword will die by the sword. He's trying to tell him that that is not the fight that he is supposed to have. That is not the way that he is supposed to respond. I find it very interesting in, in that he drew his sword trying to defend Jesus. And, and like I said, he shows us, Jesus shows us in that moment the great example of how he expects us to respond to our enemies. He was already betrayed. He was already gonna be arrested at this point. He knew what was gonna happen to him. He knew he was about to die. He knew that this man meant him harm. He still corrected and showed us how to respond to our enemy. We need to be able to prepare ourselves to respond. And that's what Jesus tried to do. If you back up a little bit and you understand where they was at when this happened, we know that they was in the garden and they had been praying and that multiple times that Jesus had came out to the disciples to check on them and found them asleep. And he tried to tell them to watch and to pray. And let's read that real quick. You can see it in Mark 14. It says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What he's telling them there is to pray and to watch, not to fall into temptation. And we, can, we read that today and we understand that today as watching and praying, that way we don't fall into the tricks of the enemy. And that's true. But I really believe he was telling them, you know, this is about to go down. The things I've been preparing you for, the things that I've told you is about to happen to me is about to happen. You need to be praying. You need to be watching and praying because there's gonna be an opportunity that you're gonna be able to be faced whether to do the right thing and the wrong thing. You're gonna have the opportunity to respond to your enemy either the right way or the wrong way. And he's telling them to watch and pray to prepare yourself so you respond in the right way. They fell asleep. They didn't take the advice of Jesus and we able to see the end result of him responding the wrong way. So Jesus tells us to watch and pray and he tells them to watch and pray, like I said, to prepare them. So when we start thinking about our enemies, Jesus is trying to keep them from ever being in that situation in the first place. He's trying to show them if you was watching and praying and seeking after uh, my face and, was, and, and trying to have a relationship and guidance from God, you would know what to do. You would know how to respond. And that's so important for us today as well. You know, ever, it seems like um, when I used to teach the young adults, at a previous church, this girl came up to me and said, how come no matter what you're teaching on or preaching on, you always tell us how it's so important that we have to read our Bible and we have to pray, and you tie that in somehow to every single lesson, every single sermon that you ever do, because it's so important. It's because it's, it's the bread and butter of, of who we're supposed to be, and this is the same situation. In order to know how to respond to your enemies, we have to be in communication with God. And how do we communicate with God? Through prayer, through seeking after him, being able to ask for wisdom, ask for guidance. You know, lots of times we find ourselves busy and we find ourselves um, uh, just wrapped up as, as, you know, Pastor J.W. said, life happens and it's hard and we find ourselves neglecting our spiritual walk with Christ. We find ourselves 
not spending as much time as what we should on prayer and, and spending as much time reading his word and seeking after him and seeking guidance from him that we find ourselves already, you know, when the enemy attacks us, we blow up and we respond in the wrong way. But Jesus is trying to tell us that if we prepare ourselves, if we have a good, strong relationship with him, that, and a lot of times when we blow up, then afterwards we pray to God, man, I messed up. God, how do we fix this? We see, we see that Peter responded wrong and Jesus had to go and clean up the mess. He had to go and heal the man and put his ear back together. And, and we see these things and we find ourselves wanting to know why. How, why do we mess up and why did I respond that way? And we have to go back and apologize and we find ourselves asking God to help us fix the problem that we created, when in the first place, God is trying to prepare us that that never even would happen. He's trying to prepare our hearts and our minds to keep us from allowing that to ever happen in the first place. Jesus is saying, before you ever get to the place of attack from your enemy, I want you to be in relationship with me so I can navigate you to really know how to love and respond to your enemy. So another key thought that I had this morning that is impossible to respond correctly to your enemies without Christ. It is impossible for you to be able to respond correctly to your enemies because we are flesh. We are human. We want to do unto others as they've done to us. You know, we want, we want to respond uh, harshly. It's our nature. So without Christ, we cannot respond correctly. If we continue this story, in Luke 22 and 51, I think I have that one. It says, but Jesus said this, no more of this, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. He corrects us, and then he fixes the problem. Don't you find it a little ironic that the last miracle that Jesus performed on this earth was healing his enemy. Don't you find it, uh, and even a step further than that, it was healing his enemy that had been hurt by a Christian. The last mess that Jesus had to clean up on this earth, the last miracle, was healing someone that meant harm to him and that was hurt by a Christian. How many times as a church, how many times as a Christian have we, and, and not just us individually, but as a whole, how many have we seen on Facebook and we've seen people's responses and as, as, a, as a church or as Christians go into situations responding to our enemy, swinging their swords and doing more damage than good? Defending, trying to defend something they believe in. And listen, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you today. I'm not telling you not to stand up for what's right. I'm not saying not to defend the gospel. Actually, the word of God tells us to always be ready to take offense and to defend the gospel of Christ. But how many of us find ourselves and we look back and we see the church swinging their swords, hurting people, not responding in the right way of showing love, not responding in the right way of, 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 of being there as the church of a healing place and showing them instead of defending, but showing them what the right way is, being an example of what Christ is, we swing our swords, we, we quote scripture, and, we, and we, we swing things and we end up doing damage and hurting those that are lost. Which brings me to my third point. Defend less and love more. Like I said, we've all been guilty of that, and, and as the church as a whole is guilty of just swinging their sword, and we've been guilty, just as Peter did, of, of doing that very thing. We can do this with our mouth and with our Facebook post and, and with our actions. We can be the reason why someone doesn't come to Christ. I've heard it my whole life, being a Christian. I've heard it my whole life, working in church. And from the moment I've been young, I, I started helping and, and in like leadership and things of that nature that where I would witness and talk to people. And, and I've heard it my whole life. I used to go to church but sister so-and-so said this and I'll never be back. Uh, I used to go to church, but then when I started um, 
drifting away a little bit as a teenager, instead of loving me and correcting me in a godly way, I was talked down to. I was cut. I was hurt to where I'll never be back. We have people that's sitting in this church today that have told me stories that if from the grace of God have set, been them being able to see a true example of someone else sitting here. Someone that was an example to them showing what Christ is like. If it wasn't for that person, they would have never been back because of the hurt that they encountered, not from the world. You know, we always talk about the things that happened to us growing up. My parents was a drunk or this and all these things and the reasons why we might be the way we are. But we never mention the church, and the role that they play on people, of hurting people. We can find ourselves hurting by swinging around and defending Jesus when he didn't ask us necessarily to defend him in that way. He didn't ask and call upon Peter. He actually corrected him and said, I don't need you to defend me. Do you think if I did not need this and this wasn't supposed to happen this way that I could not call to my father and him send down angels and save me? I don't need you to defend me in that way. God is our defender. That's the great part about it. He's not asking us to defend him that way because it's not our fight. It's not the fight, you know, uh, uh, Chronicles, I think it says, for the battle is not ours, but belongs to God. We sing a song here all the time that says, God is fighting for us. You know, we don't have to do it on our own, that we don't have to find ourselves fighting the battle day after day, that if we lean on God and we belong to God, he will fight our battles. Jeremiah 51 says this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. See, I will defend your cause and avenge you. He's telling you, I will defend the problems that you have. If you respond correctly and you pray for your enemies, those that try to hurt you, and you bless those that try to curse you, I will defend you. I will avenge for you. Now, I told you this story before. I want you all to understand this, that I'm only 27 years old, so when I have to tell you the same stories, over and over again, it's because I've not lived as long as like JW or some of these other guys that had these long lifespans that had different stories for different events. <laughs> but I've told you this story before and it, it's funny, but it, it, it proves my point. I used to work, as, as many of y'all already know what I'm gonna say, I can see smiles. I used to work for a veterinary clinic. I think I said this last time I preached, actually. And the, and the man I worked for was horrible. He was Satan himself, I'm pretty sure. He caused me physical pain. He caused me emotional pain. Uh, just to kind of set the scene, my first day on the job, he looked at me up and down and said, uh, you're too fat for my uniforms. They can get your old job back. First day on the job. So I went through working for this man two years. So if you can imagine him being that comfortable my first day, you can imagine as he got to know me and got more comfortable the things that he would say. There's a day that a, a dog, my job was to hold the animals while the doctor examined them, and then afterwards, I would clean the kennels, walk the dog, stuff like that. <clears throat> so, there's a day that this dog, and after a while, you get to know certain looks. Brad and Steve probably can tell you that there's looks that animals get that you know that they're going to be these friendly dogs, and that they're going to just, you know, be able to be ones that you can hold and do whatever, and there's other ones that they might necessarily be a mean dog, but they're frightened and they're going to try to defend themselves. <clears throat> so I walk in the room and I see this dog and it's scared. And then you can hear this very low but very real growl. Very quiet, but it was there. And I looked to, to uh, we'll call him Doc because I don't want to call him out here. I looked at Doc and I said, do I need to get a muzzle? And instead of saying, no, that's okay, just holding, he made fun of me and then yelled at me in front of the, the patient, okay? He, he, he tried to talk down to me. He cursed me with his language. I could have responded. I could have walked out. I could have called him names back. I could have got mad, but I just, respectfully, he was over me in authority. He was my boss. He was my employer, I did exactly what he said and kept my mouth shut. 
I responded correctly. I'm going to pat myself on the back for a moment. Well, sure enough, here he goes. Start checking the temperature and everything on the dog. That dog goes nuts. It loses, I lose grip of him. He loses grip of him. He bite, I still have a scarf. Everyone wants to see it after church. I got a big hunk out of my hand here, another on the side here. And he gets mad at me and says, why didn't you go get that muzzle? So I was like, I just kind of sat there, blood running down my arm, you know. So he said, go to the back and get one. Or go get one, which is the room next door. So at this moment, I need to cool off. I start walking to the back because I didn't want to go next door. I shut the door, and when I shut the door, I hear this god-awful sound. It sounds like a grizzly bear got loose. He's screaming, he's yelling, and I never walk back in the door. <laughs> I leave him on his own. I thought, you know, buddy, I'm bleeding, I'm hurting because of you. Now, that might not have been the right way to respond. <laughs> but the point is, I kept my cool. I responded correctly, and what happened? God defended me. He avenged for me. <laughs> Doc had a big piece of his forehead missing. He had a big old scratch here. I think he, I mean, it was, a, it was a big mess. So the thing that we have to understand that when we don't take things in our own hands sometimes, God's ways are a lot better than our ways. God's ways is a lot better for uh, to defend us that we have to understand that, you know, if we, we allow God to take care of somebody, he might be able to change that person's heart and mind to where they come and apologize to you. They may be able, God might be able to do things in their life to let them know and show that he is God and that we are his and that, and that he's not gonna allow things to happen to us. There's people that hate us. That's hard for us to understand sometimes, but as a church and being labeled as a Christian, there's so many people in this world right now that hate us. There's so many people that misunderstand who a, what a true Christian is. And a lot of that is because of the, the acceptance of things in the world, but a lot of that has to do with what we've done to ourselves. There's people that hate us because we're classified as an American. There's people around this world that wants to do harm and see death brought upon our country because of who we are and the freedoms that we have and, and the, the benefits that we have from being an American. But we have to respond correctly. We have to respond correctly. God will always defend us if we allow him to. And then my last point. We have to know him. We have to respond correctly. We have to defend less and allow God to defend us. But then God tells us we have to bless him. If we go back to Matthew 5, back to the core verse. So, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of the Father in heaven. He wants us to pray for those that persecute us. He wants us to bless those that try to do us harm. Now, I'm not talking about like, you know, when you pull out in front of somebody and they pull up beside you and they cuss you out and you say, bless you. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not, it's, it's different what I'm saying. This is not something we just respond to or respond with that we just say as a response when people are cussing us out or telling us that we just say, you know, bless you or, or things like that. We, we, this is talking about someone that meant harm for us and we turn around and still bless them anyways. What does it mean to bless them? We bless them the same way that we can hurt them, we can bless them. When, we, when I say you can hurt them by your words, you can bless them by what you say. You can choose to take one way or the other. It goes back to responding to how, all how you respond. Someone does you wrong, you can go to your group of friends. You can screenshot the conversation and send it to them. So you, start, you, know, you can start bad-mouthing them. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she did that. We can start placing labels upon them. We can start doing those things. The Bible says that with our tongue and our mouth, we either can speak life or we can speak death. That the power that we have is all in our tongue. That the words that we say can either speak life or death. We can ruin the image of someone 
based solely on our words. We have seen this, like, you know, I mentioned a while ago the example of just the labels that people can be put on them of just by someone speaking bad things on them. We must sincerely, when someone does us wrong, begin to ask God to bless them. I was reading an article, actually, in one of my devotions on my, my phone app. talked about this man that, that started a business with somebody. He was telling us about how God had blessed him and his partner with this business. Things started going well, and somehow the business partner betrayed him and tried to take the business away from him. And he said that he started being personally offended. It, it destroyed their families. They were family friends forever. He said it destroyed them, and it said he heard God tell them. He said he started praying. He said he, him and his wife began to fast, and it really was something that was bothering him. He said he could not believe the response that he heard God say when God said, give the business to him. Bless him with that business and pray blessings that he succeeds. So that's exactly what he did. His wife was mad at him. His family didn't understand why he just gave up. He said, I had the, the case to win in court. That business could have been mine. And, and he, he began to talk about how years went by that he had financial struggles. Years had went by that he had to spend watching his friend make this business even grow even more. And the prayers that he started praying upon them to bless him was working and the business was being blessed, his finances was being blessed and he was struggling. Then God gave him an opportunity and drop something in his lap and be able to open another business that has, that has blessed and changed the life of his family that he said that, that would change the life of his family to, to come. That, 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 that they blessed him so much financially that he's gonna be able to take care of his kids and his grandkids off of this business. The opportunity that would never have happened if he never had forgave and blessed his enemy. Now that's, that sounds crazy. And I know that sounds um, off the wall, but God is trying to tell us that he will bless us when, when these things happen. And I'll be willing to say that most likely the best defense, you truly want to get back at your enemy, if you want to think of it that way, is to do what Christ said because they're going to not understand. It's going to eat them up inside and want to know why you are, are being so nice? Why are you blessing them when they're cursing you? Why are you loving them when they hated you? Why are you speaking good things to them when they spoke negativity on you? And it makes them wonder, and it makes them under, want to understand what we have that they don't. And in closing, Bringing those that curse you or blessing those that curse you is the best justice there is because you get released from the problem. When you forgive your enemy, when you love your enemy as God has instructed us to do, the burden of hatred and anger and hurt, all the things that this person caused you, if you forgive, if you bless, if you love your enemy as Christ tells you to do, is released from you. Which, isn't that what we look for anyways? When we try to do harm back, we're doing it because we want some kind of satisfaction for ourselves. We're looking to be able to feel better about the situation. We're looking to be able to feel better about ourselves. And, and the best release and the best feeling is that forgiveness and, and that burden lifted from us. I had already mentioned a while ago when we was talking about how to respond to your enemies, a key thought that I had, that it is impossible to respond correctly to your enemies without Christ. So, I want you to take a moment today and ask yourself this, First and foremost, before you start thinking about 
your enemies and trying to identify who they are. Before you start thinking about how to respond to your enemies, do you know who Christ is? Do you know this person that we've been talking about, that we've been singing about, that we've been worshiping all morning? Because in order to overcome the feelings of hurt, the feelings of anger, the feelings of hatred that you might have right now, you have to know who Christ is. It is impossible to respond. It is, it is impossible to know. It is impossible to, to love your enemy without Christ. So I, want you, I also want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ, I want you to get to know him. But if you do, like I said, we all struggle. We all, we all have problems and we all find ourselves in situations that we need to be able to forgive. We all find ourselves in situations where we have an enemy and we need to find out if we can respond correctly. I want to encourage you, ask him to strengthen you. I want to encourage you to strengthen that relationship we talked about with Christ. Encourage you to get in the word of God more. To find and understand, you know, don't just take the opinions of me or, or Aaron or Pastor JW. Seek out these words for yourself. The stuff I'm teaching you today and preaching about today, I can tell you that is in the word of God. I, I, I've pulled up scriptures and I've showed you that he's telling you to love your enemy. But by seeking after God yourself, by getting in, in the word yourself, he will begin to communicate personally to you. I don't know every situation in this place. I don't know who your enemy is. I don't know the things that's happened to you and the hurt that happened to you and the things that, that people has done to you. And there's some things that people go through that I probably wouldn't even understand. But one thing I know and one thing that I can assure you that God does and that you have a God that if you, as long as you call upon his name and you ask for guidance, you ask for him to help you and you ask for him to strengthen you and you begin to show effort into having a relationship with him, that this forgiveness thing, that this loving your enemy will come a lot easier. It's not gonna be perfect and it's still gonna be hard. It's, it, you know, people that's been in church, your pastors, your leadership, it's still hard for us to do this very thing but it's impossible to do without him. We stand. With no one looking around, is there anybody here this morning that will say, Pastor Brandon, I don't know I've never been saved. I don't know Christ. I don't, I don't necessarily consider myself a Christian. But I know that I have hurt and I have struggles and I have uh, problems just as anybody else does. So anybody here that, that would say, I would like to know this Jesus you're talking about. Or maybe you do, you, you grew up in church or, or you, you know, for the most part, we've all heard of Jesus. But maybe you found yourself falling away. Or maybe you found yourself not in the right place of mind. I'm not gonna call anybody out, but is there anybody that would, that would say, that's me, pray for me today. thank you, Lord, for those that's here today, God. God, I ask that you just touch them where they're at today, God, but Lord, that you see every hurt, every scar, every struggle, God, Lord, that we might not be able to understand and relate to their situation, 
We might not be able to understand the hurt that's been brought upon their life, God. Or we might not be able to relate to the same kind of enemies, God, that they have. Or but that you know all and that there is nothing that is too big or too small that you don't care about and you cannot take care of. God, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for the commandment that your son gave us to love others as you have loved us. God, I ask that you continue to help us, guide us, God, convict us, God, to be able to know and understand your love, to be able to put into practice your love, to be able to show love to even those that we feel like maybe not even deserve it, God, but that you instruct us to give love to, God. Help us to love our enemies, God. Lord, we thank you, God, for your love. Lord, I ask that you just touch hearts, God, that you that you remove situations. Lord, today, God, I believe that there's people that walked in, God, with situations and hurts and, and, and anger, God, that can be leave here today released. God, I ask that those people that walked in with enemies, God, and grudges, God, and, and hatred for people, leave here today with a clear mind. Leave here today with chains off of them, God. Leave here today that came in broken. Leave here today full and filled and, and repaired, God. Lord, we believe this today, God. We, we claim your word over them today. We believe it, God. Where we know that you're able, God. We serve a God that is able to do anything, God, far beyond what we can imagine. We thank you for who you are. You think, we thank you, God, for who we are, God, in you. Help us and guide us today in Jesus' name.